All right. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another Learning Tech Talks. This is a last-minute pivot. I debated whether I was going to go live or not, given there was a, a last-minute pivot with the guest. But I've been spending a lot of time in conversation about generative AI and what it means and how we can use it. I've been doing it, working with it a lot myself. And it's a hot topic right now for good reasons. So I thought, well, I have a lot to say. I thought there's going to be a lot of interest from the industry. I'd love to crowdsource some ideas and thoughts from folks in terms of how and what they're using it for along the way. And hopefully the goal of this is to help people think differently about what it is and how it can be used, be aware of some of the risks and just get into it so that we can actually leverage this for good. Because I think there's tremendous potential for work in general, but as we think about our industry specifically, there's a lot of potential for what we can do with it, but I think it all boils down to how we do it right. So whether you're someone who is intimately familiar with it and using it left and right, or someone who is going, what are you talking about with generative AI? I don't know what that is. There will be something here for you and the value of it depends also on your engagement with it because I, will, I would encourage those of you who end up watching or listening to send your comments, send your questions. And if you miss the live stream and want to engage post-event, feel free to join the Learning Sharks community where I have no doubt we will continue some discussion about this topic. We've already had multiple discussions about it to date. So before we get into it though, one of the things I like to do a fair amount with things is make sure we're talking about the same thing because when we're talking about generative AI, a lot of times people have in their heads something that they're thinking about. And maybe that something is generative AI, but it may not be the completion of generative AI. So you may be missing out on some things. And there's also some underlying implications that I wanna talk about how I, I believe we're going to see this come to the forefront more and more through different areas in our field. So we'll, we'll get into that. But in general, when I'm talking about generative AI, I'm talking about artificial intelligence that is being used, some sort of AI system that's generating, hence the generative, something, whether that's text, images, other forms of media, and basically engaging with the user in some sort of conversational way through prompts. So we're seeing these pop up left and right. The one that I hear in most conversations would be ChatGPT. I think most folks are extremely familiar with ChatGPT, or at least they've heard something about it. But more recently, Bing came out with their search that had generative AI tapped onto it. We've got Google Bard that if you aren't part of the early pilot, it's now more public release. We're seeing this pop up in a lot of different creative tools as it would make sense generative AI is generating things, it would make sense that we would start to see this in more of our generative tools. And, I, and I'm firmly of the mindset that we're only going to continue to see more of this in our L&D suite of tools, which we're seeing today. Things like Seven Taps. I know of several companies that are specializing in generative AI for learning content development. I think we're gonna see it start to creep in to some of the bigger players. I think we're gonna see it in our video content tools. It's going to be everywhere, whether we plan for it or not. And so I think this is an important thing because you can ignore it and say, well, I don't really want to deal with this or I don't see the value, but this is going to become the air we breathe 
It really is. And as a result, we've got to be familiar with it because the reality is having played around with this stuff pretty extensively, this can be like a superpower. It really can. I mean, this has the potential to be a superpower for the work you're doing. It also can be kryptonite. And I think that's a bit of a paradox that we're dealing with when we think about this technology and how we end up using it as learning professionals. So I, I really want to call this out. I'm going to go into some of the examples of where we can use it, but really what I want to do is focus on how our industry can use it well and things like that. The other big call out that I'm just going to throw out there and JD, this comes up from a conversation that we had in the community that reminded me of this was you said that this is one of your big messages when it comes to generative AI. And it's one that I've continued to reinforce is we need to be really, really careful with the tools that we're using. We're in an interesting state right now is this technology, by the way, this technology is not emerging. It's been around for a while. It's reaching a level of maturity that now it's hitting the mainstream. And to me, this is one of the most vulnerable times in these kinds of technologies, because what starts happening is all these tools start popping up all over the place. And that can be really dangerous because people get excited about it. People are interested, they're experimenting, they're exploring, which is all good and fine. But especially when we're thinking about corporate learning and development, sometimes we're dealing with sensitive information. Sometimes we're dealing with information that isn't necessarily designed for public consumption. And we don't always know how these companies are leveraging what's being input into them, where that data is being stored, how it's being used. And that's not to say that, oh, be careful, the boogeyman's going to do something with us. That's not what I'm getting at. But what I am saying is we need to be aware of these risks and be intentional and caution and use caution and discernment when it comes to things. So just because some tool adds some new capability doesn't mean you should be dropping your company's internal use only company strategy PowerPoint into it and asking for a summary type of a thing. And again, more so, not only is this a risk to your organization, but the last thing you want to do is get terminated from your company because you well-intentioned do something foolish. So just as a caution with this, be really careful, especially as we're starting to see, okay, where are these tools getting applied? How are they being used? Is it behind security? What kind of security protocols? And I'm not saying everybody needs to get into the weeds of all the terms and conditions. I don't know anybody out there who <laughs> legitimately is reading all 978 pages of the terms and conditions that you're asked to sign when you sign up for something, but use caution and just, you're, you're smart people. You can know how to navigate this, but do so carefully. So I just want to call that out, especially as I have no doubt. And already, if you Google generative AI tools or top tools for generative AI in 2023, you're going to see that list just continue to explode, which a lot of great stuff out there. And there's a lot of tools that may not be as overtly using generative AI, although it's in the framework, it's in the plumbing of those tools. So just more to come on that, but I do want to make that call out. There are three areas that I want to focus on today. And if there are folks who are joining live, I'll ask for your input on this, but there are three areas that I'm going to drill into a little bit deeper. So the first one is internal operations for LD. So this 
conversation is going to be targeted specifically at learning professionals. At the same time, if you're not a direct learning leader and you're a business leader listening, I actually think this is a good conversation for you to consider because the implications of this are going to change the way you think about your L&D teams, and it's also going to change the way you think about your organization. So the three areas that I want to focus, this one's going to be largely targeted at L&D leaders, which is the internal operations of learning and development. And I think there's some huge implications for how we can use generative AI. And if your head's immediately going to, is that gonna be a whole section on how to use it to generate your content? No, it's not. Cause to me, that's like the lowest level of generative AI, but I think there's something to call out. So I wanna talk about the internal operations of generative AI on learning and development. The second piece I'm going to focus on is how generative AI should I, I think life according to Christopher should be influencing the way we're thinking about our strategic priorities and the workforce priorities. Because the reality is, as I said earlier, this is going to become the air we breathe. Things that we think are creepy and scary, and I don't know that I want to get involved in this, are just going to become things that we just use as though it's the nature of doing work. We aren't there yet, but it's getting to that point. And as a result, that's going to change the way work is done, which as the developers of people doing work, this is really important for us to keep an eye on because if we lose our eye on this, we may be working on things that ultimately are irrelevant to our organization. And there's a huge opportunity for us to improve workforce readiness. So that's the second chunk. The third chunk is really going to depend on how much time I have because this is one of my solo sessions, which as you know from the one I did early this year, sometimes can just go really long form. And I don't have that kind of time today. But I do have a YouTube video that I recorded specifically about how we can be using generative AI for our own personal and individual development. So if I have some time, I'm going to hit on that a little bit. If I don't get to that, and regardless of if I get to that, because what I don't want to do is duplicate what I'm getting to, I would encourage you to check out my YouTube channel. I have it set to premiere on Thursday, where I spend about 40 minutes going into much greater detail on how we can use generative AI for our own individual development. Now, I will hit on some things today if I have time, but if I don't, check out my YouTube channel and you'll see that coming later this week. So let me jump right into the internal operations piece and cut right to it. I've broken this down the way I think about L&D in terms of looking at us as a product function rather than a academic institution. I don't think of corporate learning as an academic institution within an organization. I think of us as a product function designed to solve people problems in our organization. So is that that will help you understand the way I'm thinking about learning and development, specifically around where do I see generative AI tapping in? Because the reality is I see it tapping into just about everything in different ways. So I want to start on the front end of the funnel, which is on the needs analysis that so often we spend a lot of time doing. We spend a lot of time doing needs analysis and we do it in what I would say are often very ineffective ways. So I wanna break this down and say, hey, here's how I see us being able to use generative AI to optimize that. And I'm going to get in front of this before it even pops up. 
a lot of times when I get into conversations about future tech and AI and its use in our work, there inevitably is, whether it's spoken or unspoken, this deep-seated concern that it's going to take away our value, it's going to diminish our value, it's going to take away important work that we're doing. And what I've seen through my experience in using it, not just generative AI, but emerging tech in general is, that is never the case so long as you're keeping yourself ahead of that curve, which is completely possible. Now, if you're remaining complacent and doing what you did 15 years ago, and thinking, well, AI is coming for my job. Yeah, you are at risk. I mean, that is a legitimate concern because if you're not doing higher order activity and advancing things forward, then yes, you are at risk. But in general, when I see people who are critical thinkers, pushing things forward, challenging and continuing to do things, I don't see this as a threat. The other thing with it is I have yet to encounter anyone in our industry who says, I've nailed it. Like, there's nothing left for me to do. I've solved every problem the company has. I'm kicking back, drinking mojitos because it's all taken care of. So when you think about the scale and the fact organizations are changing at a ridiculous pace, everything's changing at a ridiculous pace, that's, it's never going to supersede that. So those are just, I want to call that out because when it comes to internal operations, this is a lot of times where I see it rear its head. So let me get into this. So on the needs analysis, let me also say, because I'm saying we can use generative AI for needs analysis, I am not suggesting you should automate your entire needs analysis process. And as I break this down, you're going to see, so I'll reinforce my why as I get into this. But some common examples. I know a lot of L&D organizations that in an attempt to do thorough needs analysis, they have some form of intake form that's designed to capture some information to evaluate the validity or you know scope of a need that someone has i think generative ai has the huge potential to help in this area while i firmly believe there's an important need to have humans involved in that process there's a lot of rote back and forth okay i need more information on this can you help me understand this that generative AI could walk people through. Now, in some organizations I've been in, we've tried to do this through like decision trees, trying to help people work through some of the critical processes before they even come and engage with us, before they fill out the form. But it's very difficult. And this need to have some sort of human interaction in there is, in my opinion, just sending someone a blank form and saying, fill this out and tell us what you need you're only creating an organization that's going to become an order taker. So to me, this is where generative AI can do some of that work for us without replacing us. Because on the front end, some of that initial information gathering, knowing what kinds of things, asking some of those, have you considered this? Did you consider these things? That to me is very robotic in some ways. And I think we can use generative AI to help people through that process while still maintaining that human touch, which allows us to invest more of our time on some of these higher order, okay, we vetted this is critically important. We need to actually put our resources on this versus a lot of times we spend a lot of time on needs analysis in some of just the most basic fundamental, did you consider this? Did you try that? How many people? Just really basic information. And I think this is where we can elevate that process 
create a better user experience for our stakeholders while giving us more capacity to support people and still focus on the higher order activity. Now, this is something that is still very early stage. If you're listening or watching this and you're already toying in this area, I would love to have a follow-up conversation with you. I've been exploring the possibilities of how we could train algorithms to do this well, and I'm not, I'm not there yet. I haven't heard or seen anybody doing this well, but to me, this is a ripe opportunity as we look at the way we engage with stakeholders on what they're trying to do. So to me, this is one big area when we think about it, and hopefully the way I've painted it, you can clearly see we still play very much a role in that process, but ultimately can elevate the experience, improve the efficacy of what we're trying to do, improve consistency while maintaining a human touch. I think this is a big one on the needs analysis side. So we're spending more time on important problems, not just running on the hamster wheel. The other thing that AI is fantastic at is being able to look at massive amounts of information, more information than we can even consume in a lifetime, and quickly identifying patterns, finding things that we would either miss or may not have time to even get through to find in terms of what, what is this data saying? What are some consistent patterns that we're seeing in this thing? What are some assumptions that we could make off of this information. When I think about the volume of data we generate as an organization, not even learning organization, but as a company, each person is generating about their behavior, the way they do work, the way they interact with others. It is truly more information than we have the human capacity to evaluate and do anything with. And to me, generative AI is ripe for helping us with this. Now, let me be crystal, crystal clear. The worst thing you can do is delegate your decision-making and your critical thinking to an AI algorithm. I don't care how good they get. If you are doing that, it is a mistake, not only because it is not going to do it as well as you can, but furthermore, you are still accountable. I've been in an ethical conversation back and forth recently with someone on the whole, who's actually responsible for decisions that AI makes. And to me, this will consistently remain the person. And this is why even in this, if we're looking for patterns, if we're looking for trends, if we're looking for insights in the data that we have about our people, about our learning activities, our programs, the effectiveness of them, we still are accountable for what decisions are made, how that data is used, what we end up doing with that. And that's something that we need to guard carefully because that is something that we should hold the keys to. So be clear, just because the potential for AI to get really good at scouring our data and saying, hey, you should do this, do this and this, that's great, but we still need to be in that process of saying, does that make sense? Let's follow up on that and validate what other things may we not be thinking about? Something else though that I think about when I think about the way it can help us with this needs and data analysis, and this is something I'll talk more about in my personal development. Generative AI is a fantastic way to almost brainstorm with a whole bunch of people without that whole bunch of people. And I'm not saying you don't use that whole bunch of people anymore, but it is a really quick and rapid way to challenge your own assumptions, challenge your own thinking, ask it to find what things might people assume that may not be true in this. Now, 
I will continue repeating this throughout. How good the tool is at this is dependent on you. Again, it's responding to its prompts from you. It's responding to the information you're giving it. So if you're asking it really crappy questions or you're only asking baseline things that validate your preconceived assumptions about the data, well, then it's not going to be terribly helpful for, with, for you in critically thinking and analyzing it. But if you're actually using it in a way where you're asking it to evaluate and bring perspective, here's what I'm considering. What other considerations may I not be thinking about? What might this audience be considering as they look at this information? Being able to use it to analyze that and bring another perspective very quickly and comprehensively so that even a smaller group, going back to does this replace even a team dynamic and a team group brainstorming? No, because what you can do now is that team still going back to the volume of data does not have the time and energy to go through all the data. So you can use generative AI to do that initial analysis, come up with some of the basic things, then use your tiger team to go deeper on it, to challenge things further, to bring in other perspectives that the AI algorithm just isn't going to do. But what it is going to do is crowdsource and bring in a multitude of information that you would not in your lifetime be able to capture. So going back to the ability for it to be more data-driven, and I typically I hate that word because it's thrown around a lot, but this really isn't allowing us to be data-driven in a way that we couldn't before because the reality is most people I know don't even have access to a data analytics team that can commit time and resources to doing deep analysis on our data. But furthermore, even if they could, we're generating far too much and that number's only going to grow. As we start stepping into, as you see, I get into it later, generative AI for design, as we start stepping into immersive technologies, as we start stepping into these other areas, the amount of data is only going to exponentially grow. So the fact that we can't keep up on analyzing the data we have, that problem is only going to be exacerbated as things rise. And generative AI, from my point of view, is one of the best ways we can mitigate that risk. Something else that as we think about our internal operations that I see a ripe opportunity for us to consider as we look at this is the way we as leaders in our field are influencing the people around us. Now you might think, how is this gonna help us influence this? But the reality is going back to, there are so only so many hours in a day. And one of the things that we often do because we run out of time is we don't take the time to personalize things to our audiences. So even as we think about a presentation we may be giving, a point of view, a position we're looking at taking as we look at um, something that we're trying to get across the finish line, we have a bad habit of just saying, I don't have time to create multiple versions or different points of view on this. So I'm, even though in our heads, we probably have, we probably have taken the time to think through this. If we haven't, there's an opportunity, but likely if you're doing this well in your head, you've thought some of these things through, but the rote activity of actually creating different voices, different versions, different things of how we're going to influence and push things forward, creating that dynamic suite of tools to help us influence versus the, I only have time to do the one thing. 
This allows us to expand that out. So just as a basic example, if you've seen how these tools can help rapidly generate, let's say a PowerPoint presentation and your ability to then ask it, make a revision of this presentation targeted at XYZ audience with XYZ concerns, looking at these XYZ things. It can rapidly morph our idea into a different version of our idea that can be targeted at a different audience. Now that's something that many people just don't have the luxury of time to do, even though in our minds we go, it'd be great if we could, but realistically we just can't. And so our ability to quickly iterate on things and pivot and adapt when certain things happen. Maybe you come out of a meeting, again, I'm just thinking about this, you get blown up in a meeting by your stakeholders for something you, that you thought you were crystal clear on, you can go back and use generative AI to help you iterate and adapt and pivot and modify what you're doing to be able to better influence in that. And, I, and again, is this replacing you? No, it better not be because again, the ideas should be coming from us based on what we know about the organization, based on all the different data points that we have. However, the ability to adapt that quickly is often something we just don't have the luxury of time. Now, I can tell you right now, if you use generative AI and ask it, create me a PowerPoint presentation that's going to convince my executive team to buy a da-da-da, and you just let it do its thing, and you aren't the one with the genesis of the ideas and the thought and all of this, you're going to get a pretty generic thing that probably isn't going to blow anybody's socks off. And that's what you can expect from that. And that's why I say this is not a replacement to you as a critical thinker and a professional in the field. So strategic influence, another really valuable area as we think about this. I'm going to come to this one. Well, actually, I'm going to go to this one last because it's the most obvious. But the other one that I have seen huge opportunity for is when I look at the operations of an L&D team, specifically technical operations, as you look at an LMS administration team, oftentimes there are a lot of tickets and things coming in similar to going back to kind of the initial front end of needs and data analysis. There's a lot of times, there's a lot of just rote people asking questions, having basic support. They just need some help with, hey, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to find this. Those are man hours that are not best spent by our teams. And this is an area that generative conversational AI can be really helpful in redirecting, repurposing information we already have, pointing people to the right things, engaging them, but engaging them in a pseudo human way that is doing more for the brand and reputation we have as an organization. I think one of the things that's really important as we continue moving forward and as AI and tech continues to just dominate things is there's going to be this void in people that's going to continue to expand of this desire for human connectivity and interaction. And does that mean that we're trying to trick people by saying, well, what if we could fool them by having them engage with an AI bot for some of this stuff? In some ways I'm saying, yeah, actually I would say that's better than you sending a snarky cold email back, go check out our help center. Right. I mean, let's be honest about how some of these things are handled now when it comes to end user support. When you've gotten the 10th ticket in a row on something that you know, just go do this thing. Our frustrations kick in, our emotions kick in. We send a short email back to someone that creates a terrible user experience for somebody who just genuinely is stuck and seeking help. 
If we can use generative conversational AI to help engage people with that and get the response they need that isn't going to get frustrated and perturbed and irritated with the person because it's the 10th time they've been asked in the last 15 minutes, then great, we can increase the experience. Now, if it hits a certain level where we go, this is something that actually needs the critical thought and human touch of our team, great. Now we lean in, now we focus on those higher order activities. So this is where, is it a replacement for human interaction and connection in this space where the desire for human connection is continuing to expand? No, but can it supplement or augment it in a way that is going to improve our end users experience and improve the way we do business, allow us to achieve more, all these great things? Yes, and I think that's an absolute consideration for that. Finally, on the internal operations, I'm going to, and this isn't final, I guarantee by the time I end this session, there's gonna be about 10 other bullet points that I would have added to it. But the other one I wanna to touch on is design. This, yes, has huge potential for design. I feel like when I see a lot of the conversations on how we can use this for design, it's not that it's wrong, but it's incomplete. And I think sometimes we're thinking about this at too foundational of a level. Like, should we be asking AI to write our courses for us and publishing them out to the LMS? Could it do it? Yeah, actually it probably could. I mean, I remember working with an algorithm years ago that was able to create actually real well done, really well done storyline courses. It designed and developed the whole thing. It generated the template, it kicked it into storyline and kicked the thing out. Could you use it for that? Yeah, could you use it for just writing a script for you and then, heck, you could use it to generate the video itself with an AI avatar. You don't even have to, you just hit the easy button and punch the thing out the door. Could you use it for that? Yes. Should you use it for that? Ah, you see, here's where the nuance kicks in. Probably not. And this is where the critical thinking human side of this and where we're going to need to elevate our skills as designers to be able to answer those questions and think critically about, okay, what is the message we're trying to drive? Is this hyper-personalized? Is this hyper-unique? Who's the audience? How quickly do we need to move? Is getting something out there better than taking the time to do something with a little more personalization and nuance. Those are all critical questions that we're not going to be able to just hit the easy button and let AI generate for us. But there are going to be times where we may say, you know what, actually a quickly generated AI script that's done by an AI avatar actually may be better than anything we could quickly put together and get out the door. So let's do it. There are going to be other times where we're going to assess the situation and go, no, that would actually be a detriment to what we're trying to accomplish. And we are the ones who are going to have to get better at defining what are those strategic outcomes that we're driving towards. Now I'm going to iterate what I said earlier on in the conversation that please be really careful if you are starting to toy with this for design of your content, going back to that internal use only stuff, be really mindful what you're asking an algorithm to create for you and what you're pasting out there and what you're asking it to summarize and turn into whatever. So just again, another call up, but is that really the possibility? And is that something that we could do with it? Yeah, I would very much say that's something that we could do with it. And there are going to be times that that is the best 
way to approach it. So again, I've just given you example of, yeah, could you actually use it to write a course? I think of Arist. I think of some of these other tools that have been doing this kind of stuff for a while now where, yeah, you could, you could ask it to come up with the outline. You could ask it to come up with the content. You could ask it to, it's getting to a point. You could ask it to come up with the script and the voice and can generate an AI generated voice that sounds like a person that could come up with the avatar that's on the screen that looks pretty darn close to a human. In theory, you could hit the easy button, but I think this is where we need to be really, really careful because our stakeholders may not understand all the complexity that goes into that. And it can be very easy for someone on the outside to look at that and go, well, why don't we just use AI to do all of this? And in some ways, their questioning is accurate. We should be asking those same questions. And our answer shouldn't always be, no, 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 that's never the right answer. Sometimes it is the right answer and sometimes acknowledging, yeah, there's a time and a place for that is what elevates us with our stakeholders going, yeah, we're considering these things. We're thinking about them. We're looking at where the appropriate use and when type of a thing. But should we just, but we need to be aware this is a risk because if we don't get in front of this and lead with how are we going to use generative AI? What are the opportunities for us to use it? And are we thoughtfully considering? If we're waiting, what's going to happen is it's going to be dictated to us or that's when you're going to run into situations where <laughs> you find yourself out of a job because someone somewhere made a decision that, hey, there was this really cool tool that could generate AI videos for us. Why do we need a design team? We'll just have this thing do it for us. And that's not a position you want to be in. Even drilling a little bit deeper though, into some of the applications of this. If you haven't played around with AI visual image generators, they're fantastic. I mean, I think about the amount of time in my design days I spent trying to find that perfect vector graphic or that perfect image that captured what was in my head. And when you think about the waste that goes into that, it's significant versus now you can get really detailed and ask, I need this. And then it shows you something and you go, eh, similar, but I want it to do this, or I want to change this simply so that you can get that image that's in the back of your mind or the vector or whatever it is. This is one of the things that you think about the time that gets wasted on some of these things where you're going, ah, I just can't find the right one. I mean, I can think of many of times I've lost an afternoon trying to find something that really probably at the end of the day, wasn't that big of a deal, but it, but it was to me in that moment. And I think this is another way we can look at operational efficiency. Something else similar that I want to call out on this one is when we think about accessibility, this is a really important conversation that we don't have enough in our industry, but there's a lot of things that we create that often are not accessible to the general population. And Sometimes for very good reasons when we think about it. Sometimes it's very difficult going back to presentations. Why, why don't you make a different version for each meeting that in different group of stakeholders? Well, I don't have time to make the same PowerPoint presentation five times over. Well, with generative AI, you could. As we think about accessibility of content, could we now have the possibilities of saying, and again, listen to me carefully. I'm not suggesting this is what you run out and do. But is it possible that we could create different versions of things for different audiences so that the voice, the level of specificity, the detail that things go into are different and more distinct by audience? Yes. Now, does that mean we should create 37 versions of everything that we create? 
No, it would probably be a nightmare to maintain. And on top of it, really, is it adding that much value? But just as a simple example of this, okay, if we think about manager or leadership development programs, there are some distinct differences when it comes to a first-time leader versus someone who's been a leader, frontline leader for X number of years. There's a difference between becoming a leader of leaders. There's a difference between becoming a leader of leaders who lead leaders. There are some distinct steps in that in terms of things that you know about that audience, the way they may approach things, the, th the problems they've probably solved, the experiences they may have had that, yeah, you can't just do a one size fits all, but oftentimes we're limited to doing one size fits all because that's all the time we have to do. Now, does that mean you just turn it over and say, here's our manager program, generative AI algorithm, create a leader of leaders program based on this content? You could, would I recommend that you just do that and hit publish? No, but could you do something like that to quickly create a V2 of something for a different audience that you then now have 70% of the work done that you would go through? Or even instead of asking it to make the changes for you, involving it to say what critical things would need to stay the same, what critical things may we want to eliminate, what critical things may we want to add. Getting feedback from it really quickly, or even like I said, just asking it to do it. But what you don't want to do then is just hand it over and hit publish. You'd want to be involved in that process. But this is just one way that we can leverage this to make our content more, per I guess, personalized is more the term I would use for that. When we think about accessibility, though, thinking about that, the ability to generate content in different languages, which has often been a challenge for us. Can we actually generate can you create that in this other language? Localization has always been a challenge. I've worked for many global organizations and helped many global organizations through these challenges. And oftentimes, people don't go there because it's too time-consuming and time-intensive, cost-prohibitive. Generative AI can allow you to quickly make a Gen 2 or a V2 of something that's completely distinct and different. Going back to my example earlier of could you generate an AI video that speaks in this language? It makes an exact duplicate of it in a different language with a different avatar, giving a different context. Absolutely. Now, again, is that something that you should do for everything? No, but can we use it to make subtitles better? Can we use it to make a, we've made this video. Can you create a PDF version that hits on the highest points. So there's a takeaway type of a thing. How are we, how might you adapt this converse? How might you adapt this conversation for this distinct audience to address neurodiversity, things like that. There are so many possibilities of how we can be using this to make our content more accessible and more personalized. And I would love to hear from folks who may actually be doing some of this work now. I know I'm doing it a fair amount with some of even my own content. Um, the last thing I will hit on here, and then I'm going to close out the internal operations piece, is this is one that has me really excited. And unfortunately, I can't speak too much to who's playing on this because it's very much, there's a lot of stealth activity in the market happening right now. But as we think about how this technology is working, and what's underneath it. And the fact that this technology is able to listen and take inputs and based on that generate 
insights, recommendations, content, things like that, right? It's pretty powerful stuff. The ability for us to leverage this to create more opportunity for people to practice, apply, actually change behavior and get feedback along the way is huge. Now, I know several years ago, there was a big boom in AI coaching, kind of fizzled out in some ways. In some ways, I would say the technology had not reached a state of maturity where it was really ready to do this. I would say now we're getting to the point where it's going to be a much more effective AI coach than it could have been several years ago. Now, again, is that replacing coaches? No, but can it provide insights to you in real time in ways that a in-person coach couldn't? Absolutely. But even some of the things to give an example, again, I have to be careful how much I talk about here, but the ability for technology to listen and observe a conversation and create insights, even potentially providing real-time feedback to someone in the moment as they're doing something to curb a behavior, to change the way they're interacting with someone, to change even the way they're speaking, the words they're saying, to improve the effectiveness of it, and actually behavioral modification through this and assess people along the way. This is huge. Going back to why do we need generative AI for other reasons like data analysis? Well, because as we start stepping into this space, there's going to be just even more and more and more and more data that's being generated that then has to be analyzed, that has to be used, evaluated, made decisions on, things like this. But I'm excited for the future of this when we think about our internal operations and not because I see it in any way, shape or form as a threat to us as an industry, as professionals in this field, but if anything, as a powerful, powerful augmentation to the critical and important work that we do and the work that we'd like to do, but often lack the time and resources to actually get around to. Okay, that was a lot longer. I And actually, I'm cutting myself way short just on that topic because this is, what I will tell you is that section alone is just the tip of the iceberg of a few areas that I've spent some time thinking on in the last couple of weeks that I'm seeing real opportunity and have experimented with some things in some really powerful ways. So I'm looking forward to where that's going to go. But now I want to transition over to how does this affect our priorities? And really, as we think about work and the way work is happening, one of the biggest things, and this hit me like a ton of bricks when Microsoft Copilot was announced, not that I watched that video and went, this is it. This is the game changer. But like many things in tech, there are certain things that I observe and see and I go, the possibilities this is now opening and the maturity that we're at now, while we may not be at a point where it's going to radically change things today, the possibilities are now there. And we've opened, the toothpaste is out of the tube and it's not going back. Now, one of the things I have said over and over and over as I think about generative AI is it is only as good as the person using it. And that really is the case. I hear people and I've been in conversations with folks who have said, well, I tried it. It didn't really do much for me. I didn't really get the value. And to be quite honest, if I'm being totally transparent, I was that person when I first started playing with it because I was looking at it through the lens of, ah, you know, I actually have so much stuff flying out of my head it slows me down to use generative AI to create 
new stuff, new ideas, new thoughts, things that I'm coming up with. But as I started to adapt my thinking going, okay, but maybe instead of thinking it in that way, how about I think about how is it enhancing, augmenting, accelerating, expanding? What is there? How is it actually being a catalyst to what's coming from me? This changes things. And you think about this in terms of what Microsoft Copilot and other things that are going to be coming in the heels of this. Going back to all the examples of things I shared with L&D, Many of these things are things that our workforce is also doing and struggling with. I don't think there's a single person working in an organization, at least not in a corporate environment, who does not spend way, way, way too much time creating and generating PowerPoints, reading through lines of endless rows of Excel sheets, creating pivot tables for this and that, running the report for the 379th time because somebody in the field doesn't understand how to run the report themselves. So they're asking you if you can run a separate version for it. These kinds of things. Generative AI is going to actually accelerate and help the workforce with this. But going back to it's only as good as the people using it, there is a real opportunity for us. And quite frankly, the workforce isn't ready for it. They're not ready for it, as is demonstrated by just the way people are talking about generative AI. When you look at the way people are talking about it, the way they're using it, it is clear that people are just starting to scratch the surface and people are misusing it in a lot of different ways. And that's only going to get worse. Now, when you think about our role in the organization of saying, hey, who is the one responsible for helping the workforce know how to use what's available to them? how to do their work better, how to be more efficient, how to optimize things. That's us. And this is why it's so important that we understand what this technology can do and what the possibilities are, because this should be now informing even the way we approach, hey, how are we developing our people to make sure they're ready to use this and that they're fully leveraging it to use it for their benefit. And again, recognizing at the same time, the same threats, the same concerns people in our industry have of, oh, is this coming for my job? Is it going to make me less valuable? They're having the same things. So we're in a unique position to help get in front of those concerns that people have, the inevitable risks that come with people misusing or abusing this kind of thing, and helping people understand their work and how they can deconstruct their work and reconstruct their work with these kinds of generative AI tools and other technologies that are coming. Because that's really ultimately what we're going to be spending our time doing is saying we need to actually deconstruct the way work is done. And then we need to rebuild it now, knowing we've got a whole new set of materials that we can build work with. And what this is allowing us to do is say, we are uniquely positioned to say, Let's help you define what that is. So as we think about all the effort and time that's getting poured into reskilling and upskilling, a lot of that is still very much focused on the, again, the skills themselves may not be changing, but the way they're going to be applied is. And this is where we can lean in and help our workforce be more prepared for this. You know, just as a simple example of this, I'm just going to illustrate with a simple example. And again, don't take this as this is a gospel according to Christopher as it comes to this. It's not that. But when we think about, okay, as an example, 
you would not encourage your people leaders to relegate writing annual reviews to a generative AI algorithm. That would be foolish. People will read right through it. Your managers won't have a clue what they even wrote because they just let a machine do it for them. And now it's an even more awkward conversation because there's this really deep, thoughtful thing that was written that when the person asks questions about it, the manager goes, um, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea because I didn't actually write it. Okay, you can see how quickly this could go down a rabbit hole. And you might go, oh, that would never happen. Well, yeah, actually it could because there are tools and HR tools now that are starting to leverage in an attempt to make the manager's job easier, generative AI to help write performance reviews, which isn't by default a bad thing, but how they do that could be the difference between a colossal disaster and even worse manager engagement and feedback from employees than we had before. However, there's also a way that we can train and develop the workforce to use this really well. As a people manager, can you use generative AI to help you shape and refine what it is you want to deliver to your teams? Yeah, actually that can be a really important way to use the tool to say, hey, help me. Here's what I'm trying to communicate. What things am I saying that may offend somebody. And again, not that you avoid them, but so that you know, what might I do to be able to soften the message to make it less offensive? What are some things that may be taken the wrong way in here? And can it be used to help coach and guide a manager in real time, providing that development and coaching in the flow of work? You better believe it. But we're at the center of whether that happens well. And that's the thing. If we leave this and ignore it and go, I'm not going to get involved in this, what we run the risk of is just letting it do its own thing. And you're going to have some people who are going to get it and they're going to use it really well. But I'm telling you right now, that is a minority report. That is not the vast majority of people. Most people are either going to completely ignore it or they're going to completely misuse it. That is, you got the bell curve of this. And at the top of the bell curve is the people who are going to use it really, really, really well. And all the way down those curves are the people who are going to use varying degrees of poor usage, no usage at all type of a thing. And I think that's one of the things that as we think about how this is going to have implications on work and the work people are doing, we are really uniquely positioned right now to get in front of this and orienting ourselves with these things and starting to integrate these tools and then say, all right, now how might we be using this? How is this changing the way work is done? Or how should it be? We can actually influence. How should this be changing the way work is done? Should people be spending countless hours looking up the right iconography for their PowerPoint deck, making sure that the template's the right template? No. Should they be spending endless hours making pivot tables or send, creating 37 versions of the same Excel sheet? No. This is where we can say, hey, here's what these tools are. Here's how to use them well. Let's actually coach and develop you and let's make a workforce that's ready for this kind of technology and see it as a benefit to them versus a threat. I think the other thing, so that's just thinking. So when we think about that, that shapes our priorities. Because if we suddenly go, hey, the way skills are going to be applied, the way people are going to be doing work is fundamentally on the precipice of changing, we have an opportunity to get in front of that so that we aren't the tail on the dog trying to catch up, 
trying to tackle all this stuff after it happens. The other thing that I think about is if you're someone who's listening or watching this, chances are you're someone who cares deeply about the future of where things are going and the possible implications, which you are probably a minority report in terms of the field. You are probably someone who is pushing the needle on what's possible or at least thinking deeply about this. So you've got to account that regardless of how L&D is structured at your company, there is learning happening elsewhere. Whether people have the formal L&D title or not, there is learning happening elsewhere in the organization. And chances are they are not thinking about the things that I just covered in internal operations. They're not thinking about the way this is going to impact the work. They're not thinking about the way they're changing their way of working to leverage this kind of work to help them do things better, faster, more efficiently, more effectively. We have an opportunity to help our functional counterparts, our peers, those who are doing a lot of the similar work that we are to be ready for this to help say, you know what, we are learning how to use these tools. Let us bring you along for the journey. Here are the lessons we've learned. Here's how you can improve the way you're doing things. Here's how you can change the way you're approaching these topics. Here's how you can do some of this stuff. They likely do not have the time, the energy, the capacity, or the concern to pay attention to this kind of stuff. And that's not necessarily bad. Um, they may have other priorities. They may have other things they're working on, but that's where you have an opportunity to say, well, I'm not just going to get better at this. I'm not just going to make this change for my own well-being. I mean, by all means, do it, right? By all means, improve your, your working environment through these tools. I think that's huge. At the same time, there's a real opportunity for you to positively influence and make work better for other people by you learning it and then taking it to your teams. I talk a lot with my teams about how important it is that we are the COEs, the COE to the COEs. We need to be the center of excellence of center of excellences. And that kind of mindset infects the way you work and infects the way you do work so that you're always thinking about, hey, yes, we want to improve all this stuff. Yes, we want to do these things better, but we're not just improving this stuff for our own gain, for our own benefit. Is that good? Absolutely. Do we maximize the snot out of it? Absolutely. But ultimately, our purpose in doing it is to take that and then push it out to the masses. And so this is something that you should be thinking about, reflecting on and thinking about, hey, how can we upskill ourselves so that we can take this out to others? Because you're not going to, regardless of, and this goes back to the whole threat of, is gener generative AI going coming for us? you will never be able to catch up regardless of how many, how advanced the algorithms get, how good you get at this tech, you will not be able to catch up. And so as you think about that, this is going to be just a bullet train that you won't ever catch. And so by staying in front of this, you're going to be able to help more work get done elsewhere. This is never going to be a threat to you. And I think that's something that inevitably, I just always want to reinforce with this. As I predicted, okay, I'm going to close the loop on the workforce, strategic workforce priorities um, here, because uh, that could be another episode in itself. The last thing I will conclude on, though, is for personal development. And I'm not going to get into it on this. But 
What I will say, I'll hit on some high things. There is huge potential for you to improve the way you do your work, the way you communicate, the way you think. You can build, I, I think some of the skills I hit on was, you can use generative AI to improve your critical thinking. You can use generative AI to improve your empathy. You can use generative AI to improve your communication skills. You can use generative AI to improve, I mean, you name a skill, you can use generative AI for that. And what I did on my YouTube video is I took time to break down four of what I would consider the most critical business skills and how I personally am using generative AI to help grow and develop myself as an individual, but that hopefully you can do the same because this is more than just getting work done for you. Is that a great aspect of this technology? You better believe it. But that to me is just the baseline. That is the very basics. And if you stop there, you are missing out on so, 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 so much. So with that, I am going to wrap things up because like I said, I, I don't want to keep going and I'm a little bit tight on time today. So hopefully, um, thanks for listening, watching. Sorry for the last minute pivot. I know people were excited to hear about PathStream. I will be having them back on uh, next time uh, or down the road a bit. We had to reschedule. So I will have them back, but thanks for checking this out. Hopefully you find it valuable. If you are not currently subscribed to my content and you find it helpful, please do so. It helps me know whether I'm on the right track and feel free to send feedback over on how I can continue making this better. I do all of this for your benefit and I can only get better at that if I know how better to benefit you. So thank you very much and have a great week.